Hey everyone, thanks for joining me. You may have heard by now that we started a Bible study on Friday nights at my home under the pine trees. And I realize that not everyone is feeling like it's time to be out and about or for one reason or another cannot come. And so I had promised that we would make a recording. Um, we can't record the actual Bible study. It's a little bit difficult to, to stream. And so uh, I wanted to at least provide this in a podcast format and what I'm going to do is, is provide it in smaller sections because I realize that it's difficult to sit down and listen to a, a uh, half hour to hour recording. And so I'm going to shoot for 10 uh, to 15 minutes at the most uh, chunks so that you can listen to these in your car or at home. And the goal is that it would uh, coincide with some of the readings that you're, you've read recently in the morning office uh, in that that it would make those more meaningful, that time a little bit more, like you would understand it a little bit more as we dig deeper into the context and what Paul was trying to accomplish. So we're in First and Second Corinthians. By now, the daily office readings have just moved today into Romans. And so I am going to shoot, uh, shoot and aim at getting um, through First and Second Corinthians and onto Romans as soon as possible. There is no schedule for this, and so we are doing this just ongoing until we decide it's time to stop. And so let's dig in. If you would like to, it would be great if you're able to uh, turn to 1 Corinthians with me. 1 Corinthians is a letter from Paul to the church in Corinth. Um, And so he is dealing with uh, large-scale principles of the faith and teaching us how to apply them in a particular context. And so while you'll see some of the contextual situations arise, we will also recognize the transferable um, principles that, that transcend that particular context. And we'll talk a little bit about how those things um, apply to our situation today. So Paul is the author, and he started this young church. It was a church plant, so we can relate in that, in that simple way. It was a church plant, and so he had an interest in nurturing it and keeping it on the right path. Paul had spent, according to Acts 18, we see that Paul had already spent a year and a half in Corinth. And that he left around 51 AD, and that this was probably written somewhere around 53 or 54. So he had been gone a couple of years and was getting updates from Chloe and from other Corinthians and wanted to respond to some of the needs going on. Now, who were, who were the Corinthians, the Christians in particular? In Acts 18, we see that he, Paul goes to Corinth and he ministers to many of the Jews, but he finds that their hospital and opposed, and in 6 it says, they reviled him, so he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own heads, I am innocent, from now on I will go to the Gentiles. And so while there are Jewish Christians in Corinth, this letter is addressing mostly Gentile Christians, but not necessarily exclusively. They were, like many other Christians, they were not the elite in society, in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, verse 26, he talks a little bit about them, uh, saying that, uh, for, for consider your calling, 
brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards, not many were powerful, not many were of no, noble birth. And so this makes up the characteristic of the, uh, the socioeconomic and maybe even the educational makeup of the church. But it was also a very sophisticated city. So they found themselves in a city that was uh, very cultural. And so you have, it's a port city, and it's about 40 miles southwest of Athens. And so commerce was bustling. There was a lot of travel, a lot of people coming from all around the region. It was a commercial and religious hub, especially being that close to Athens. But it was also a colony. So the Roman Empire gave it colony status, and this is a big deal because in addition to the pagan cults and the temples that existed in the city, now you have the imperial cult where Caesar is considered a god. And so you have temples to false gods, and now you have the imperial cult where Caesar is considered to be the son of God. And so when Caesar is the Son of God who, who brings the good news. Uh, and so when Paul comes proclaiming Jesus as the Son of God who brings good news, it is a direct confrontation uh, to the Roman Empire here in a Roman colony. Paul is especially uh, confronting the divisions that were taking place in the church. And so if you look at chapter 1, verses 10 through 11, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind, in the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. And so then he talks a little bit about what are some of the specific things that they're quarreling about. In, in one instance, in chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, he says, While there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the same flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Paulus, Apollos, are you not being merely human? And so there's this... The, there's camps that have been made. I'm with Paul. I'm with Apollos. And so Paul addresses that. He says, is Christ divided? In, chap- in verse 13, he says, was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? And he even is grateful that he didn't baptize but a couple of them so that, so that they can't use that as a reason to say that they're in his camp and not Apollos. So Apollos has this wonderful education, he is refined, he is sophisticated, he has, he's eloquent, and people are following him for those reasons. And in chapter uh, 3, he says, what then is Apollos? And in verse 5, what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed. Is the Lord assigned to each? He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives growth. So while they played a role, their role is absolutely nothing apart from God, who is the one who gives growth to what Paul planted and Apollos watered. And so he's saying, listen, 
You are in God's camp, not Paul or Apollos's. And so let's get rid of that way that we are divided. Let's deal with that directly. And he does that in an interesting way, and in you, you see this repeated throughout the text. He does this by confronting their idea of what power is. Because Apollos is educated, and he is sophisticated, and is eloquent. And so they immediately follow him, not always because it was true, but because of his outward superficial appearances. And so he's worried that they will fall for anything simply because of, of those uh, earthly ways of attributing who is powerful. So God's power, he is saying, is found in human weakness. He says in chapter 1, verses 18, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so he is confronting even the Roman way of the cross. So Roman way of the cross is a display of power. They crucify people in order to display their own power and to show those who are crucified as weak and powerless. And he says the way of the cross is not a display of weakness and powerlessness, but instead it is the cross uh, through which we gain and participate in the power of Christ. And so he says, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. And so he is deconstructing what power looks like. Paul is claiming that power is being measured by the Corinthians through earthly means and earthly measurements. But instead, he says, the power of the cross is found in Christ Jesus. And so you'll see throughout this a call to live a cruciform life, to die in order that others might live, which is the character of Christ that we see in his death and ultimately coming back to life in the resurrection. Amen. We'll see you next time.